There are numerous scriptures regarding the necessity of the new birth. In fact, being born again, becoming a Christian, is the theme of the New Testament. Peter speaks of the God who has begotten us to a living hope. He talks about becoming born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Paul said in Ephesians 2.1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. The letter to Titus speaks of washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so the theme of my remarks today is simply, if you are born one time, you have to die twice. But if you're born twice, you only have to die once. I want to show you how it's possible for you to face only one death, the physical death. In John 3, we're told that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And so in the beginning, let's focus on the necessity of the new birth. Man demonstrates that it's necessary. Even though Nicodemus was a good religious leader, yet there was something missing in his life. It was for this reason that he came to Jesus searching for the answer. The inadequacy and searching of men everywhere demonstrates that man without Christ is incomplete. Thoreau said that the mass of men lead quite desperation lives. Pascal adds, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be fulfilled by any created thing, but by only God. Augustine, a church father, once said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. Being born again 
as I have said, is the theme of the New Testament. The new birth is necessary even for a good religious man. Jesus knew that the heart of man was wicked and deceitful, that even religion and sincere efforts at improvement would not change a man's rebellious nature. What a contradiction this is to the popular idea of staid, comfortable, osmosis Christianity. I mean by osmosis that it's just something that uh, you absorb or becomes a part of your life. It's the assumption that people can just soak up Christianity by being reared in a good home, becoming a member or and are attending church. And most of all, the time trying to follow the teachings of Christ. It's the concept that one gets on the heaven-bound escalator in the nursery and more or less inevitably lands on the top floor, which is heaven. Many preachers are guilty of propagating this kind of message. We're grateful for our great Bible teaching churches, and yet it's possible for young people to grow up embracing the, the language, struggling to experience something other than the new birth. My friend, we need to be sure of the Bible teachers and preachers that they are in line with God's word and that they do not make Christianity an impersonal kind of faith stemming from osmosis. Science contends that it's necessary. There is a growing conviction with those who deal with man's mind and emotion that a change must come in individual lives. Dr. Billy Graham once met with 21 psychology professors and psychiatrists from Yale in the city of New Haven. The spokesman for the group said, we've come to believe that man is so psychologically constituted that he needs conversion. We believe that we're converting people in our offices. We want to know what you mean by conversion. As perhaps you know, the latest thing in psychology is logotherapy, the need for commitment. More influences and standards of the Jado Christian faith, the moral and ethical teachings of the New Testament do not change 
man's inner nature and soul. In 1931, at the age of 56, J.C. Penney was broken in deep personal crisis and in a Michigan sanatorium. He had lost everything in the de depression. One morning he heard the strains of God will take care of you coming from the chapel. He went in and someone read Matthew eleven twenty three. Penny committed himself completely to Christ at that moment and experienced, quote, a miracle adorning sense of rebirth, the joy and peace which comes with such a knowledge and experience. As he rebuilt his business, he also gave himself in service to Christ as never before, from speaking at rescue missions and churches and many layman movements. And uh, he was known for many generous acts of Christian philanthropy. At his death, the New York Times eulogized him as just a good man. But J.C. Penney was a good man because of the grace of God in his life. This is what must happen to not only the wealthy, but to the middle class, the poor, whoever you are. Not luxury, but necessity. It is obligatory. You cannot evade it. No necessity of the kingdom of God will be experienced without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In verses 4 through 13 of John 3, we find these facts. The new birth is a spiritual birth from God. Ephesians 5.26 and Titus 3.5 explain the meaning of Jesus' use of water, that it was symbolic of an inner washing and cleansing. In verse 6, we find that the new birth is necessary. Because of the weakness and ruinous consequences of the sin nature, a second birth, a new nature, must come. In the third place, the new birth is a mysterious but a real experience. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. 
Yes, just as men cannot see or understand the wind currents, and yet they feel it. So it is that man can experience the new birth. In the fourth place, the new birth is a productive work of God in one's life. It changes the character. Character changes the family. The family changes society. God's people can make a difference in society and in the country in which we live. But it's not becoming more religious or turning over a new leaf or attending church regular. It is a matter of that inner change that God's grace brings to our lives. There is a fact that God provided the means in his son and his redemptive death. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Faith is the fact. The means of receiving what God will do. Yes, faith involves the intellect, the will, and the emotions. But it involves more. It involves a work of God in a person's life. Lou Wallace was a famous general, a literary genius, and his dear friend, Ingersoll, coveted together that they could, could write a book that would forever destroy the myth of what they call Christianity. They resented the bondage under which the religious people were kept to worship Jesus. Mr. Wallace tells a story of how for two years he had studied in leading libraries of Europe and America, seeking information which would enable him to write a book which would destroy Christianity. But while writing the second chapter of his book, he suddenly found himself on his knees, crying out to Jesus, my Lord and my God. The evidence for the deity of Christ was overwhelmingly conclusive. He could no longer deny that Jesus was the Son of God, the one whom he had determined to expose as a fraud had captured him. Later, General Wallace determined to expose as a fraud the myth that Christ is not a savior. 
But here again, in probably the greatest novel ever written concerning the times of Christ, made him indeed the savior of the world. You know, according to one's own personal makeup and depth of sin, determines his emotional response in this being born a second time. But I remind you that it's not just emotional feelings, but a commitment of the will that brings the new birth. Marriage illustrates this. A young man falls in love with a girl. Intellectually, he likes her. He likes her looks, her personality, and many other fine qualities. He likes everything he knows about the girl, but mere knowledge about the girl, the attractive qualities, was not enough to launch a marriage. As they spent more time together, they became sweethearts and in love. But that is not marriage. There is more to marriage than the intellect and emotions. After some time of engagement, the wedding day arrived. Intellectually, the young man believed emotionally that this was God's gift to him. As they stood before a minister to exchange vows, the young man committed his will and his life to this woman, and she became his wife. You see, marriage is a relationship involving the mind, the heart, and the will. So it is in becoming a Christian. One must give himself wholly to Christ. You can even say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sin, and yet still not be a Christian. For more is involved than words and emotions. Not until you have relinquished the throne of your life will Jesus be your personal Savior, and you will experience that second birth. Whether Nicodemus experienced a new birth that night when he talked to Jesus, we do not know. But he did come to commit himself to Christ because we learn in John 19, 19, that he came with Joseph of Arimathea to seek the body for a decent burial. By this act, Nicodemus was coming in the open to let the world know that he was now a disciple of the Lord Jesus. No man can really experience a new birth without eventually telling others. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. When I was a 16-year-old high school boy, I had fallen in love with a girl. We were deeply involved. But 
for several reasons, she broke off that relationship. It hurt me so much that I went home and took about a bottle of sleeping pills. As a result, I woke up the next day in the hospital and was told how close I had come to killing myself. Even though I had joined the church when I was 11 years old and baptized, I knew in my heart that if I had died, I would have gone to hell. And so as a 16 year old high school senior, I knelt by my bed one night and received the Lord Jesus and gave him my life. He has made a difference. It's been my privilege now for more than 70 years to be a pastor and to see many people come to Christ and to see lives change and homes rearranged. Yes, Christ can do that for you. If today you will hear his voice and open your life and invite him to come and save you from sin and save you too a life that he will make, my friend, then you will find the greatest joy and hope in life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture, for reminding us again that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's by his grace he has saved us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death on the cross. Thank you for the assurance that you came out of that tomb and that you live today. And Father, I pray for those around the world who are listening today to this message, that they might be faced with the necessity and with the reality of the new birth that is in Jesus Christ. Our Lord, I pray today that that person that is closest to hell might turn around and receive the gift of life and the promise of eternity. In Jesus' name, Amen. If today you have made a decision or you're considering making a commitment to Christ, write us, contact us some way, and we'll be happy to send some literature and put you on our prayer list. God bless you. Have a great happy day in Christ.